will sit. I will sit. I will sit. I will sit. I will sit. In the chair of change. Glad to be indoors this morning. Yeah, it's good to be together in here, warm, and uh, we're going to have a great time in the Lord. I'm excited about what he has for us in his word. Aren't you excited about that, together, and hear what God has to say to each of us individually? Amen. I, I, just, I just love that, that we all gathered for that purpose, and that God has the ability to speak to each one of us today just where we need to hear it, right? It's the power of his word to do that. It's the power of his spirit to speak, and I I love to hear uh, after a message, you know, people say, uh, this, is, this is what I, I hear a lot, and I, I appreciate and I relate to it. Uh, you were talking straight to me this morning, weren't you? I said, no, I, I really was. I'm sorry, but uh, that's just what the Spirit of God does. And, I, you know, I love that because God speaks to me as well. And I feel like, Lord, you, you lined this whole thing up to speak to me this morning. So... That's part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and hear him speak in our hearts like that. So that's a good thing. Amen. So in our family, uh, there's a funny thing that we do from time to time when someone in the family does something and it's the same that they always do. You know, they just, it's, it's, it's typical of them, we would say, but the new line we'll use in our family is, is classic. You know, someone does something that you think, well, that's what they always do. Classic. So like if we've gathered together and the whole family's eating and, and, and some people have finished and some are not, and we look and see who's the last one eating, it's Caleb every time. So you see Caleb, he, I mean, he takes his time, he's building a masterpiece to start with, you know, for his plate, and he meticulously approaches the meal, surgically, carefully, each bite, savors it, so he's the last one finished. We all say, classic, you know, it's Caleb, classic. So... Or if, uh, if Heather has lost her phone, you know, somewhere in the house and says, would someone call my phone? I mean, that in of itself is classic for Heather. But then someone else says, Heather's phone. You know, they're calling her phone. That's classic in our family. So uh, football season is now over. But when football season is going on and we've all gotten together to watch some big game, you, everyone's in the living room, you know, the fire's going in the fireplace. We're having a good time talking and everything. You look around like... You might see Truett. Where's Truett? Oh, he's in his room watching the game by himself on his own TV. Classic, you know? That's right. He doesn't want to hear all the commentary. He doesn't want to hear all the talk. That's all distracting. He just wants to be alone back there. He's a student of the game. He's studying it. Classic that Truett is going to be back there doing that. So another thing that happens in our family, um, if everyone's together, at some point, Heather's going to say, hey, can we all get together for a photo? You know, classic, right? Or if we're getting ready to go somewhere. And there's a time that we have to arrive at the location. I always like to be early, right? So I'm ready to leave way early. And usually before everyone's ready, I'm saying, I'll be in the car. And I head out to the car, which everyone says, classic. Dad wants to leave early, classic. So there's some funny things. like I'm sure you have that stuff in your family about your life as well. It's stuff that's just classic that you always do that's just kind of common about you, classic. But there's some things about my life as the years go by, I don't want them to be classic, right? So there was a time I dealt with uh, a lot of fear, 
panic attacks, depression. I don't want someone to see me in one of those situations to say, classic. That's what he does, classic. We shouldn't want to have the same patterns in our life. Oh, he's losing his temper again. He's, you know, mouthing off at someone, classic. Oh, he's going down a bad path again, classic. There's some things about our life that should be classic, but those things should never be classic. Amen? And the good news about the gospel is, is it comes in and it alters us. It changes us so that we're not who we were, so that I'm not what I was 10 years ago. I'm not what I was five years ago, last year, last month, yesterday. That the gospel is actively at work in us, changing us. We haven't come to a faith that calls us to go to a religious center on Sunday for some uh, attempt to gain favor to somehow buy our way into heaven. That's not what this is about. This is about an ongoing, active, walking relationship with Jesus Christ that he is in the process of actively changing us. If there's anything that should be classic about us is that we are not like we once were. Amen? That should be classic. Have you talked to them lately? They just don't seem like they're the same person anymore. They've really changed. Classic. It's a Christian. Yeah. Man, they are so much more loving than they used to be. Classic. They're a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Man, they seem to have, uh, like they're really in a good place, a lot more peace in their life than they've ever had before. Classic. They're a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what ought to be happening. Amen? The Bible says, Jesus said, and it's in the Bible, he said, my father is always working. Always working. He didn't say, my father sometimes works. He didn't say, my father uh, really gears up on Sundays and doesn't work. Jesus said, my father is always working. He's always at work. And what, one of the things that he is always at work doing is shaping you and I into the image of his son. He is removing things that are not like him, and he's introducing things that are like him. He's calling us to change how we think, how we relate, how we see him, how we see others. He's changing us. So our role as believers is to recognize him at work. He's always at work. In fact, you really don't have to even pray, God, would you work in me? I do that. I say that. But it's, it's not really a prayer you have to say because he's always at work. What we really should be praying is, God, help me to see where you're at work in me. That's a little different, right? But it really reveals the truth. He is at work. He's doing it every season. He's doing it every day. He's doing it right now. He has arranged your life up to this moment for a purpose that you'd be here to hear what's happening today, to be a part of this whole experience that he might change you. Amen? That gives me some excitement. There's some purpose to why we are all here today. And I, I hear some great stories. I told you last week, uh, there's beginning to be something that's classic about vertical people. They're changing. I hear the stories. I hear it from husbands. I hear it from wives. I hear it from individuals. I hear stories of how God is challenging people in new ways of, of relating and seeing and thinking and they're finding more fruit in their life as a result. This past Wednesday night, we started our new Wednesday program here uh, at Vertical. Uh, we have something for birth through whatever age you might be. 
We've got something for children. We've got something for our preteens. We've got something for our students. And we started four adult classes this past week, a men's group, a ladies' group, our foundations group, and our Restoration 360 group. And I was so excited to be here, walk around campus, see all the folks, and know that there were over 120 people here on campus Wednesday night learning God's Word. Amen. Isn't that awesome? And the stories are already great. People are changing The worst thing that could happen about our lives is that we become a people who don't change. That would be the worst, is to just be classic, the same that we have always been. Our message today has an interesting title. It's called, Don't Be Like a Stick. Don't be like a stick. We've been studying John chapter 15, and in that passage, Jesus is talking about what it means to be a follower what it means to be a branch that abides in the vine, part of a living uh, vine that has nutrients and life in it. And as we are attached and abide in that vine, those same nutrients and life flow into us and we are changed. We produce fruit. We're not like we were. And even when he comes in seasonally and prunes us, cuts away what was effective in the last season, we see it for our benefit, not for our harm. We don't get angry when he prunes, when he cuts, we remove, or he removes. We don't react, reject, run off, become bitter. We accept it as part of what a wise vine dresser does. We respond in a right way to his pruning, and that's what makes fruit come alive. We're looking at this passage, John 15, 1 through 8. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. This is where we're going to camp out today. Uh, If you have a Bible app you'd like to follow there, you can as well. If you'd like to take pictures of the screen for your notes, you're welcome to do that as well. It's a passage, eight verses. The series is eight weeks. So each week we've been looking at one of the verses. I want to read verses 1 through 8 so we get the context here. Let me just tell you again. What's happening here is this is in between the Last Supper of Jesus and the disciples and the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the moment between where Jesus has poured himself out and washed the feet of the disciples to the point where he he will be poured out in the garden as he prays before the Father. And he ends up surrendering his will to what God the Father has for him. In between those moments... Jesus speaks these words. It's for the disciples' benefit. We know because of the context here, he's talking to the disciples, followers. So that's important for us. He's talking to followers of him, believers in him. Okay? That's the context. That's the audience. Let me read these verses. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Hopefully you've been memorizing these along the way. You can follow me along here. Memorized. If you can, if you have been, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away or lifts up, as we discovered. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Then Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, 
neither can you unless you abide in me. That's verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read verse 5 because this is where we're going to camp out today. I'm sorry, verse 5 was last week. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Before I get to verse 6, I want to just kind of set this up a little bit because it's real important what Jesus has said for this point. Up in these verses we have seen where Jesus has talked about fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. That's really the, the process for a believer. As he works in us, fruit is produced. I begin to become more peaceful, more joyful, more loving, more patient, more kind. Galatians 5 lists the fruit. But the way Jesus describes it, it's as though he says there's a work that begins in you, and as it happens, you begin at a process where you produce some fruit. These grapes just love to roll away. He's talking about a grapevine here, so it's clear, Jesus says, as a follower, you're going to produce fruit in your life. And the vine dresser is drawn to those who actually produce fruit because it's to those he goes to and he prunes that they might bear more fruit. That's his goal for them is to bear more fruit, that there might be more than there was before, that there was some fruit. Now there's more fruit. And as he prunes, we continue to abide. We don't run, we don't reject, we don't react. Because he says what the goal is is not just fruit and not just more fruit. The actual goal is much fruit. I mean a lot of fruit. More fruit. Much fruit. Fruit doesn't like to stay together. It's good. This should be the process of our lives. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the process. There shouldn't be a point along the way where we say, well, I have some fruit, but I don't have near the fruit I used to. Really? Well, I had, I had more fruit for a while, but I've gone back to just fruit. Really? What happened? Because that's not the process. The process ought to be you had fruit. He pruned you. You abided. You learned the lesson. You went through a new season. And then there was much fruit. And then a new season came. And then there was even more fruit. And more fruit. That ought to be how you and I live in such a way that our lives season in, season out, produce more fruit. If there's something along the way that's happened, we've got to stop and figure that out. Something happened? Did you experience a hurt that you haven't been able to process? Did you go through a loss that's been too difficult for you to figure out where your faith fits in? Did you come upon some doubt did you come upon a place where a temptation took root and it developed into a pattern, a habit? If you're in that spot, the vine dresser weeps for you because this is the goal. This is the process. 
it's a funny thing in American churches where um, it's easy to get into this thing where we think, well, you know, I was saved when I was fill in the blank. And now I just go to church and do my thing. And it's almost expected in American churches that that's just what you do. And what you get are people who say they believe, but years pass and there isn't really any life change. And so what they live doesn't match what they say. Hello? You know what I'm talking about? They profess Christ, but their life doesn't match Christ. That's a problem. It's a problem if you name the name but don't walk or live out the walk. You should lift him up and live him out. Amen. That's what happens. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. This should be the process. And so Jesus is describing all of this to the disciples. He's unfolding it for them in a metaphor that they clearly understood, the vine, the vine dresser. So we have to do a little explanation because this isn't natural to us. We're not vine dressers and vineyard owners and those kind of things. And the disciples are experiencing something that is really difficult. You see, there were 12 in that room that were gathered. And they're having this very close, intimate meal. Jesus washing their feet. It's a powerful moment. Jesus is talking about what, what's about to happen. And in the moment, one of the 12 will get up and leave. Judas, the one who walked among them, who professed to believe, but his walk didn't match. Now, he outwardly did pretty good at cover because most were surprised when he got up and walked. But because of that, the disciples are going to need something to help them. Why is this happening? Why did he leave? What does that mean? Who are we? Could that happen to us? What happens if that does? All of those questions Jesus is going to deal with today in this verse. And I'll just let you know up front, verse 6 is one of the ones that trips up a lot of believers. Verse 2 was the first one, but verse 6 is one today that trips up a lot of people who are followers. My goal today is for us to see clearly what Jesus means in this passage, to free any of us who have seen this verse and it fill us with terror, to bring peace and to help us abide even more fully and richly in the vine. Amen? All right, so here's the verse, verse 6. Jesus says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. How many have read this verse, honestly? How many have read this verse, and even as a follower of Jesus, it just filled you with a little bit of fear? Anybody? Just, there you go. All right, thank you. It's all right. See? You're not alone. It's one of those verses you think, oh, wait, wait a minute. You mean... If I go through a rough patch in my life where I'm not abiding, he's going to cut me off, toss me aside, throw me into the fire, and I'll burn forever in hell? Sadly, that's how many people have been taught or understand this verse. I do not believe that's what this verse is saying. So stay with me today as we unfold it and apply it to our lives. You game for that? Amen. As I said before, when you come upon a passage of Scripture 
that you have a little bit of uncertainty about, you go back to the passages that you have certainty about. You let the certain interpret the uncertain. It's a way we interpret scripture and it's the way we interpret life. When you come upon a moment that you're uncertain about, you go back to what you're certain about and let the certain interpret the uncertain. Here you go. That's a good statement to remember. So let's go back to some things that we know Jesus has said. John 6.37. All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, listen to this, I will never cast out. There's no question about what that means, right? We don't have to wonder, I wonder what that means in context. It's pretty clear. If you come to Jesus, he is not going to cast you out. Write it down, hold on to it, because we're going to use that to interpret our verse today. John 10, 27, 29. My sheep, Jesus says, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. No one can. Not death, life, the grave, hell, Satan, temptation, whatever. You can't because they're in the Father's hand. One more from this passage, in fact, John 15, 3. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. All right. So just take a deep breath and rest. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, no one can snatch you out of his hands. And he has promised he will never cast you out. Amen, Amen right? So just, just rest for a moment in that. Because now we're going to interpret the verse based on what we know is true. Let's jump into it and take it one piece at a time. John 15, 6, in the beginning says, <clears throat> If anyone does not abide in me. Jesus has talked about those who follow him abide in him. If you are a branch, he is the vine. Remember, we have to reverse our Texas thinking. We say branches are on trees and vines grow on the branches. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. This is vineyard talk. It's a little different. The vine is the main source of a grape vine. It's the piece that comes out of the ground. It is large. It's healthy. It is strong. It goes down into the, the, the soil. It's where the roots are. The vine has branches. And the branches are where the fruit is produced. And the fruit is produced not for the branch, but for others. Just remember all of that. It's important to know. All right? So in that context, Jesus says, If anyone along the way does not abide in me. He's been saying, abide in me and I in you. Because you and I have a choice. You and I have exercised it. There's been times you've rested in the Father's love for you. There's been some times you haven't rested in the Father's love for you, right? And you got into a panic, you got nervous, you got upset, you made a decision you shouldn't have made because you didn't rest, abide, remain in the Father's love. Anybody ever done that before? All right, very good. We're all among company here. 
So that can happen. So that's why Jesus says, abide in me. But here he says, if anyone does not abide in me, if you get to the place where you aren't, if you get to that spot in your life where you've chosen to kind of go it alone for a while, if you've got to that place in your marriage and you've heard Jesus speak clearly to you, you've you've felt the Spirit of God speak clearly to you, but you said, "Mm mm-mm. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. In that moment, you're not abiding in him, right? You with me? So Jesus says, when that happens, if you choose to not let his love settle you, when you choose to not let his word direct you, when you choose to not let his spirit drive you, when you choose to react to the pruning that's happening to you, when you resist... He says, I'm going to describe to you what that's like. Mm. This is one of those messages today that if at some point you drift, you're going to miss a lot because it's coming quick and every part is essential. I just want to draw our attention together for this because he's drawn a direction for us. If anyone does not abide in me, here's what's going to happen. He says, he is cast out as a branch. Now, right away, this is where the concern comes in, right? Wait, so I had a moment where I didn't rest, trust, remain in him, and in that moment, he's going to... Is that what it's saying? Is that really what it's saying? Because it feels like that's what he's saying. He's... That feels like what he's saying. What tells me that's not what he's saying? The verses we've already looked at. I will not cast out those who've come to me. He is not going to, that's not going to happen to you. So then this verse must have another meaning. I must be interpreting this verse wrong. Let me, let me show you something in this verse. So it says here, as he is cast out as a branch. Another word we use for as is like, okay? This is like this. Doesn't mean that this is this. It just means this is like this. You may, after the next hour or so, you might say, man, I am hungry. I am as hungry as a wolf. Well, in that moment, did you become a wolf? No. You were as a wolf or you were like a wolf. Okay. You might say, man, I just feel so bad. I mean, I just feel like a pile of trash. Did you become a pile of trash in that moment? No. You said you felt like a pile of trash. Like. Doesn't mean you became that. Here in this verse, I think what Jesus is saying is that if anyone along the way chooses to not abide in me, he says, I want to paint a picture for what that's going to be like. Like. Not what you become, but what you become like. They just had the very visual picture of Judas leaving, and Jesus is going to connect what he just did with their own ability. Wow, that was crazy. Did that balloon just pop and then come down? Man, the Spirit of God's moving here today. It's awesome. Someone's praying, Spirit, come down, right? Right? 
When you don't abide, it is like Judas. Doesn't mean you became Judas. It's like. Like. Like a branch, he says. It's like, it's like a branch that's been cut off and removed. In fact, it's a lot like a, a stick. A stick that's been cut off and removed. You remember these from week two? We pruned these and these are just sticks now. They have no life in them. You can break them, look at them. There's nothing in it. There's no fruit here. There's not going to be any fruit here. There never will be. It's been cut off. It's been removed. It's a stick. Judas was a stick. No fruit, no root, no life in the vine. Wasn't attached, hung out around the people that were attached to the vine, looked sometimes like them. People thought he was one of them, but he was really just a stick. A stick. If you don't abide in the vine, in Jesus in his love, in his peace, in his joy. If you don't abide, rest in him. When he says, trust me, when you just lost your job. When he says, trust me, when your marriage is on the rocks. When he says, trust me, when the bills are more than what's in the bank. And he says, trust me, when you're trying to overcome that habit and that addiction. He says, trust me. In that moment, if you choose to go it alone, you will be like a stick. You are not a stick. You are a branch that abides in the vine. Amen? Amen. Amen. Sticks are dry. Sticks don't abide. Sticks have no fruit. Sticks have no root. So if you don't abide, Jesus says you're like the branch that's removed. I'm sure as they were walking by, if they were walking by a vineyard that evening, depending upon the season, they might have seen some branches on the ground. And they would understand those have been apart. They're not attached. They don't have any life within them. If you choose to not abide, you'll be like them. Let's go on to the rest of the verse here, because next he says this, and is withered. That's what happens to sticks. The only change that happens to a stick is backwards change. It withers. It becomes more dry, more brittle, more lifeless. That's what happens to a stick. It has backwards growth. It's dry. It's empty. People that are dry and empty and without the life of Christ within them, they have some things that are characteristic of them. They haven't changed. In fact, they reach a place where they say, I will not change. Hmm. 
I know I should forgive them, but I'm not going to. I know I should be obeying God right now, but I'm not going to. I know I should be trusting him right now, but I'm not going to. That is the quality of a stick and not a branch, right? Sticks. Stick people. Stick people. They complain a lot. They don't like the way life's going. They don't have any life in them, so they just complain. They're bitter. They're angry. They're resentful. They're critical of other people. They hold grudges. They're arrogant. They're impatient. They're ungrateful. That's stick people. That's what stick people do. And Jesus was saying, if you choose to not rest in me as a believer, you will be like stick people. You don't become stick people because no one can take you from the Father's hand. But you'll become like them if you're not careful. Don't be like a stick. Amen? Amen. Don't be like a stick. Sticks are dried out. Sticks are withered. Sticks don't have anything fresh happening. Sticks don't have anything new about them. The thing about a stick, they're always a stick. To be honest, I got this at Hobby Lobby. This whole little branch thing here. Grapevine thing. I don't know how long it had been at Hobby Lobby. I don't know how long it had sitting in a warehouse before it got to Hobby Lobby. I don't know how long it had sat on someone's farm before it got to the warehouse before it got to Hobby Lobby. This thing has looked like this for no telling how long. If your life is the same today as yesterday, last week, last month, last year, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if you're a stick, you're not abiding in the vine. You should have fruit, more fruit, and much fruit, not more stick. Don't be like a stick. They're dried, they're withered, they're lifeless. The next part of the verse says this. Jesus said, and they gather them, sticks. They're, they're gathered up. It's interesting, in the New King James, it says, and they gather them. If you're looking at the King James, it would say, and they're gathered by men. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but sticks. At my house, I have a lot of sticks. We have trees at our house, a lot of trees. And trees drop branches and trees drop sticks. And sometimes you have to trim the trees and you get sticks. But we like sticks at our house because we gather the sticks because we like to make a fire in the winter. So I'll cut branches to get logs. But for every one log, I don't know how many sticks I have to have. I gotta have a bunch of sticks. Because if you're gonna build a fire, you gotta have sticks, a bunch of sticks. So people who like fire like sticks. Sticks are good for building a fire. So I'll go out and gather sticks. Riley comes over. She likes to go out with me and gather sticks. She'll find one and she'll carry it proudly into the house because she wants to help granddaddy build a fire. So we like sticks. People who like fire like sticks. Let's go back to this verse here. And they gather them. Who gathers them? They. 
Does it say, and the vine dresser gathers them? No, it doesn't. They gather them. King James says, and men gather them. There are people in this world today who like stick people. Stick people are bitter at what's happened to them. Stick people are angry. Stick people are dry. Stick people are desperate for something because they've been a stick for so long. And they make easy prey for people who like fire. And there are people in this world who love a good fire. I'm not talking about a fire in your fireplace. I'm not talking about a bonfire. I'm talking about people who love to stir up stuff, who like to create fire, who like to see things burned up. See, they've got some bitterness in them. They've got some resentment in them. And they got to build a fire because, boy, they are angry and they need some ammo. They need some other dry stick people. And so if you become a dry stick person, you are their target. They are looking for you. Because when you're bitter and angry, there's a radar that people have for people like you. And they are drawn to you. Ah, bitter, angry person. Yes. And they come to you. And they want to hear your story. What made you so bitter, angry, resentful, dry, empty? Yes, I've had the same thing happen to me. Why don't you join my cause and let's do something about this? And all of a sudden the stick says, well, finally, somebody understands me. And you come right along and they join the stick brigade. And all these sticks are walking around following the one who loves the fire. Let me just give you a few examples. There are some angry, bitter men in our world today. And they target women who are sticks, who are dry, bitter, and angry. And when these fire-loving men find those stick women, they enslave them. They put them in a trade and they use them and abuse them. I think I've described what I'm talking about here without having to say too many graphic words, right? Because there's children in the room. You know what I'm talking about though? Men who love fire look for people who are dry, who are sticks. There are people who like sticks because it helps further their cause, whether it be their business or their political persuasion. And they look for people who are dry, bitter, empty, sticks. They haven't changed in who knows when. There's no life within them, and they are susceptible targets because, boy, they are drawn to these people. Sticks. The New Testament tells about some people who like sticks. The Pharisees were people who like sticks. They were the religious people, is the sad thing. They were people who professed to know God. But Jesus called them out and said, you guys, you're no more than tombs, graves, that have been painted white to look pretty on the outside, but on the inside, it's just death. You're, you're sticks is what you are. And those people were looking for anything they could find to 
start a fire because they didn't like Jesus coming along. Jesus came along and was producing life, producing change, and they had to stop it because he was encroaching upon their business. And so they found people who were dry and they would use them and they would abuse them. The Bible tells a story about one such woman, as I mentioned a while ago, who by all appearances was set up by the Pharisees. The story unfolds in scripture and it says that there was a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. Although the scripture doesn't say it, they were most likely the ones who set her up because they knew exactly where she was, they knew what she was doing, and they knew when to get her. And they got her and they used her. They threw her on the ground in front of Jesus and tried to trick him in front of the crowd. She was a dry stick. And they were going to abuse her and use her for their purposes. So when this verse says, and they gather them, it's talking about the world and cruel-hearted people who prey upon sticks. They are gathered. Cruel, selfish men gather them up. Sticks are gathered. Don't be like a stick because you'll be easy prey for all that's out in the world. It's sad because not only are they gathered, but the next part of the verse tells us this, and they throw them into the fire. Whoever this is gathering them throws them into a, a fire. They're dry, no life within them, and when they are through being used and abused by those who use and abuse them, when they're finished with them, they just toss them into the fire. They're done with them. Don't need them anymore. No help to me. And you think, well, I thought you cared for them. Those people don't care for the sticks. They use them and they abuse them. Then they're done with them and they throw them into the fire. They get rid of them. They're finished with them. After these Pharisees had used this woman and put her through abuse and use, the Bible says that, that Jesus confronted those guys in their sin. And when they were convicted of what they had done, the Bible says they turned and they walked away. They left and they left her there. They had no interest in her. They had no compassion for her. They used her, abused her, and tossed her to the fire. What they didn't know is the one who stood there was Jesus, who was going to pour out compassion and love and mercy. This is what Jesus does with sticks. Amen? He comes to rescue them. He comes to put life inside them so that they don't stay sticks. Sticks 
are tossed aside. Sticks are thrown into the fire. Sticks are abused. Don't be like a stick. The last part of the verse tells the very tragic end of sticks that are tossed aside that don't respond to Jesus. They are burned. They're burned. It's sad to meet people who have been sticks, who are cut off from God, cut off from love, cut off from peace by their own decision. And sadly, they've been through some experiences that in their minds at least confirmed their stickiness. They tried to go to church once, and while they were there, something terrible happened, and some people yelled, and some people got mad, and they got made fun of, and all this stuff happened, and they said, I'm done. I'm done with all that church stuff. I'm not going back. Hello? That happens. They said, and they, they choose to just be a stick. They choose to just stay in a state of stick. But the sad thing is, if you just stay a stick, and you're tossed aside Sticks end up being burned. They burn inside with anger, resentment, bitterness, hatred, jealousy. They burn inside. And because of their defiance and resistance to the very one who can change them from a stick to a branch, the Bible does say there'll be a day when they will burn They'll burn in separation from God, in separation from life. And so Jesus is saying here, abide in me. Don't be like the sticks. Don't be like them. You're not going to become them because if you're in me, you're always going to be in me and no one can snatch you from my hand. But don't let the qualities of a stick become part of who you are. Don't let this be named among you. Resistance, refusal, arrogance, resentment, bitterness, those only make you more stick-like. They don't make you produce fruit. Don't be like a stick. If you don't abide in me, you're going to be like a stick. Don't be like a stick. Judas. Judas is the ultimate picture for the disciples here. He's the guy that leaves in the moment. He leaves when... He wants to use this moment for himself. Judas leaves because he's about to go betray Jesus. Judas leaves because he thinks he can make some money off this deal. Judas leaves because he was never really a branch to begin with. He's really a stick the whole time. He was a stick in branch clothing. It's true. Just let that sink in for just a moment. The Bible says that Judas went, he got the people who wanted to betray Jesus, brought him out to the garden, there betrayed Jesus with a kiss 
leaves and goes back with his 30 pieces of silver and he sees Jesus being arrested. He sees Jesus being taken. He sees what's about to happen to him. And the Bible records this, that Judas went back to those men with some remorse in his heart. What have I done? I didn't. I'm not sure I knew this was going to happen like this. He took his 30 pieces of silver back to those guys and says, hey, I didn't know this was going to happen. Do you know what they said to him? Let me tell you what they didn't say to him. They did not say, oh, I'm so sorry, Judas. I know this must really hurt your heart. But seeing that you have repented and turned your ways to God now, we We will give back your money and we'll stop the whole arrest thing. We're going to let Jesus go free. That did not happen. Because if you're a stick and you've been to people who like fire, they don't care about you. And so what those men said to Judas was this. What is that to us? Get out of here. So what? And the Bible says that Judas went out in that moment and he hanged himself. He had no other life within him. He was a stick. It's tragic. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've walked through a patch in your life where you are not abiding in the vine, let me assure you of this. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, no one can snatch you out of his hand. He will not cast you out. But be very careful. Do not be like a stick. Don't be resistant, refusing, arrogant, and prideful. Instead, have a heart that says, God, I haven't trusted you in a long time, but today I will trust you. God, I hear what you're saying to me about my own life and the purpose and direction you have for my life. I haven't been listening to you, but today I will listen. I will obey. You may have been saying, God, I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do in my marriage. I'm just not going to do that. I don't understand it. It seems crazy. I'm not going to do it. But today he's speaking to you again. This is your moment to say, but God, today, I will do what you say. God, I will change. You may have prayed, God, I want to change. You may have said, God, I'm willing to change. Those are great prayers, but there's something different when you say, God, I will change. I'm more than willing. I'm actually going to do it. I'm not just asking you. I'm going to do it. I will change. I brought you last week uh, a grapevine. Do you remember that? The grapevine that was in the pot. And it looked like a stick. Really? You remember? It just was this. It looked like a stick coming up out of the soil. And it was the vine, and it had some few short little nubs that were just the branches. It had been through a season of pruning, 
But I've brought the vine and branches back today. It's amazing what happens in one week. One week. All of a sudden, there's life showing here. There are leaves that were not there last week. This is the beginning of branches. There's one, two, three that you can see. What you can't see, what I can see is there's another one here, there's another one here, and there's another one here. And it's all because of the life that's in the vine. It's coming out in the branches because they chose to abide. They chose to let change happen. They chose to say, I'm not going to be a stick. I am going to let the life of Jesus Christ flow through me. I don't know how I get to this. I just know I got to trust him while I'm this. I don't know where you are right now in your life. It may feel like where you are is this. Trust him. Obey him. Change. And what you'll see is more of this and then this. And then this. And then this. And more. It all awaits us as we surrender to what Jesus has for us. Amen? I don't know all the stories in this room. I don't know where God is speaking to you. My guess is you do know. You know exactly what he's talking about. You know exactly what he's putting his finger on today. You know the very specific area he's speaking to you about. Not you for your husband, not you for your wife, not you for your children, not you for your other people, but you for you. Would you say to him, God, I will change. I don't want to be like a stick. I want to be a branch that bears much fruit. Let's pray together. Father, today I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for the power of it that calls us, that challenges us, that reassures us, that grows us, that challenges us to trust you even in the difficult times. So today, Father, wherever you're speaking to us, I pray we'll have a heart that truly will submit, surrender, and we'll say, God, I will change. I will not be like a stick. I will not be resistant. I will not be dry. I will not be barren. I hear you calling me, so I'm coming to life. I hear you speaking to me, so I'll walk in your word. I hear your spirit within me, so I'll listen to it. I hear your life growing up within me, so I'll follow you. God, for every person in this room this morning, would you... 
confirm what you're saying? Would you show them what that is? I know you're at work. We don't have to pray for you to work. You're at work. I pray our eyes would be open to it. We'd see it. We'd respond to it. We'd not leave this place without a commitment to change. Change us, God. Change how we think. Change how we see. Change how we relate, how we know you. Break through, Father, today. Do something fresh. Break through where there's been resistance. Break through where there's been refusal. And may change happen in us. We pray in the strong, powerful, spirit-changing name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Would you stand this morning as we sing together? Let this be your prayer of commitment to God, of change. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.